The following KOPN podcast is made possible by the generous donations from listeners like you. Please consider a donation to listener-supported community radio, KOPN. You can donate securely online at kopn.org. Thank you. Hi, welcome to Food Sleuth Radio, where we help you think beyond your plate. I'm Melinda Hemmelgarn, a registered dietitian and investigative nutritionist on a mission to connect the dots between food, health, and agriculture and find food truth. And today I'm delighted to welcome my guest, Ms. Mary Donkersloot. She's a fellow registered dietitian and nutritionist and founder and director of Personal Nutrition Management in Beverly Hills, California. She has been in practice for over 40 years and has provided nutrition education programs to medical centers, community health organizations, corporations, and individuals. Her consulting work focuses on healthy lifestyle changes and diet improvement, specifically diabetes, weight control, and disordered eating, as well as other fitness and nutrition issues. Her Smart Eating Nutrition Show provides weekly nutrition vignettes in bite-sized pieces, just one to two minutes, providing the latest nutrition information to help us sort through the dizzying number of fad diets and the latest nutrition research. Ms. Donkersloot received a BS in nutrition and clinical dietetics from South Dakota State University and did her dietetic internship through the Oregon Health and Science University. Welcome, Mary. Thank you, Melinda. So nice to be here. It is so great to have you. I love your Smart Eating Show. It is just the right size for quick (laughs) and easy updates on some really difficult issues. And when I saw your program on the new weight loss drugs, I knew I really wanted to have you on to talk about it. Okay, let's dive into this. The two big drugs that I think are in the media most are what are known as GLP-1 agonists. They are Wagovi and Mm -hmm. Ozempic. And Ozempic is the one that was designed for individuals with diabetes. And Wagovi, it's the same drug, it's just in a higher dose, and that's for people who are obese. What do you want us to know about these drugs? Well, I think that both Ozempic and Wagovi make you less hungry so much so that it becomes nearly impossible to overeat. So when you decrease your food intake and you you have a plate of food in front of you, you can only eat a third of it, it results in a dramatic weight loss. And it also helps to control type 2 diabetes by lowering blood sugars. So I think these drugs are breakthrough drugs. I think they're life-saving and I'm very excited. And I think it presents a real interesting paradigm shift for us dietitians. I also think that they have a potential for abuse and we need to be on top of that. So it's a, you know, obesity treatment is a very complex issue. And these medications are are the, the holy grail that we've been looking for for years. And now we have it. I think it it could be, you know, it's big. It's like birth control pills or statins or Viagra. I mean, this is a huge breakthrough medication. Right. However, it may stop you from overeating, but it doesn't require you to avoid processed foods. It simply means you eat less of them, you know? So it's a role for dietitians to help people deal with food choices 
and and making wise decisions because we know that the right foods not only help you to lose weight, but to decrease inflammation and prevent cancer and heart disease and diabetes. So I'm very excited about them, but I'm cautious about the fact that they may be in the hands of people who want to lose a few pounds. And, you know, I'm in Beverly Hills. I see it all the time. So, yeah. Can I tell you a funny story? Please. Around the holidays, I decided to go to my favorite store, which is called Blue, B-L-E-U, out on Beverly Boulevard in Los Angeles to get a new dress for the holidays. And I went in to see the woman who runs the store, Gabriella, and she said, I'm just telling you, Mary, we, we have no extra smalls in the store. And I want to know what you think about Ozempic, because all my people who were mediums and smalls, she she sells clothes to a lot of celebrities. All of them are now extra smalls. I can't keep them in stock. And she said, and they look terrible in their faces. And so she was presenting me with a, a clientele that I don't see as much, but is really out there of people who wanted to lose 10 pounds and went on Ozempic and lost 20 pounds. And now they look terrible and they it's not good for their health. So that is a subset of these people. I mean, yes, it's a problem, but what I'm, I really do want to focus on today is the huge benefits for people who may no longer need a knee replacement or, you know, their fatty liver disease improves or their diabetes medication goes away. They no longer need a statin. I mean, the cost savings is in public health dollars is potentially huge. Absolutely. And like everything, there are multiple angles with anything that appears to be really great at first. So I just want to talk about some numbers for a moment. Okay. So Norva Nordisk is the maker of Wagovi and Ozempic. Mm -hmm. But now Eli Lilly has just launched into the market with ZepBound, another GLP one. Mm -hmm. And Pfizer and AstraZeneca are also seeking to enter the market. Why is that? It's because they are forecast to reach $100 billion within a decade. So these are expensive drugs. I, If I'm understanding correctly, I believe they cost about $1,000 per month, and they're injections that a person gives themselves once a week. But if they stop using the drug, then they're going to gain the weight back. So that is a component of this story that I think we need to talk about. It's a long-term commitment. Right. Okay. So let, let's talk about it. So yeah. So what I saw is that the cost of this is maybe 900 to $1,300 a month. That's what you said. Now, these companies, if these drug companies make money on these drugs, that's fine with me. Okay. I'm a capitalist. You know, I like to make money. Okay. That's not what bothers me. And the more they make, the lower the price is going to be. So that price is what it is now, but it's going to come down. Furthermore, health insurance is going to cover this. Now, one of my clients who works through UCLA and has a Blue Cross Blue Shield plan pays $25 a month for her medications because her insurance covers it. Because, you know, if you have diabetes, it's it's pretty straightforward. Insurances are covering it because they're going to save money on that. But the added costs of the drugs are nothing compared to the medical consequences of being overweight. And that's what we really need to keep in mind. You know, I have another client who has very, you know, is 60 pounds overweight and has high blood pressure and now kidney failure and is almost ready for dialysis. Well, that the cost of all of that is huge compared to the cost of Ozempic. Do you understand? Absolutely. 
Yeah. So staying on it long term, yes, it's true. It hasn't been around very long. But when we look at what these drugs do, the way that they work, they mimic a hormone that our bodies produce naturally. Okay. That's the GLP-1 that you're talking about. Okay. It's a hormone. So I like to kind of think of these as a hormone replacement. Like if you had thyroid medication, you wouldn't be on it temporarily. It's a lifetime thing. And I think, you know, insulin for people with diabetes, it's a replacement of a hormone. It's a lifetime thing. So we know that when people go off of these drugs, they gain back two thirds of the weight that they lost. Okay. So they probably need to stay on it. It needs to be medically managed. Like even people with thyroid medication, their medications have to be tweaked from time to time. And, and so you need a team, you need a dietitian, you need a doctor, you need, it needs to be supervised. Obesity is a, a medical problem and it needs to have a medical solution. And we have as dietitians, okay, I have had patients successfully lose weight. I, I love it when somebody lets me know, you know, 10 years later, how grateful they are for my help. And, you know, I've helped a lot of people in all these years that I've been doing this, but there are a lot of people who, for whom it was not accessible weight loss and people who've just struggled and I have compassion for them. And I know it's, it's more than just willpower. I know that. Uh, absolutely. And so for these people, these drugs are life-changing. You know, they help them on their journey to this really complex task of weight management. It's, it's a lot. And I have had some people, clients, very successful who now have a more vital and vibrant life because of these weight loss drugs. And through, and these are people who have, have big successful lives, but haven't been unable to tackle this one issue in their life, which is their weight. Right. And their health issues come along with it. So I'm very welcoming of these drugs. I'm also skeptical of the abuse of these drugs. And I think, you know, 10 years from now, the cost, the coverage, that's all going to be sorted out. Right now, yeah, it's an issue. Right. What are your concerns with regard to abuse of the drugs? Well, I think they're overprescribed. I was talking the other day to some people about, do you know anyone who's on Ozempic? And they were saying, oh yeah, my sister's a hairdresser and she's on Ozempic and everyone in her hair salon is on Ozempic. And so what concerns me are those people who have 10 or 20 pounds to lose and they're on it and they get too thin. Mm. And what concerns me right now is that that makes the drug less available for those people who really need it because that's what has been happening. I think it's a little bit uh, less of an issue now, but it's supply and demand. And then just the triggering it, it might have for people who have eating disorders for whom, you know, this, they lose some weight and becomes addictive and they can't stop. So that's always been a problem and that's inevitable. But I think we just have to juxtapose that to against the, the many, many people like one out of three who's obese and or overweight in this country. Right. You know, I was looking up some of the negative effects because drugs usually do have side effects. Right. And you, you had mentioned thyroid earlier. And I thought, oh yeah, there are some people who cannot take these drugs. That's For example, right. if they have a family history of thyroid cancer, some side effects reported include hair loss, suicidal thoughts, constipation, diarrhea, 
nausea, abdominal pain, and pancreatitis. So like you said, it's really important for people who take these drugs that they are followed closely by their physicians as well as see a dietitian, especially because everything I'm reading is that, yeah, you can take the drug, but you still need to eat better and exercise. Yeah. Yeah. So my reports have shown that diarrhea and or constipation, um, one of my patients who's on Wagovi says that when he has his injection one day, about three days later, he's quite constipated. And that's kind of been consistent, but he deals with it and he's willing to have the side effect because he's now gone from 235 to 185 and something he was never able to do before. And he's more active and he's, you know, getting his scuba diving certificate and hiking in the mountains with his grandchildren and doing things he couldn't do before. So yeah, he's willing to pay that price. And yeah, drugs often have side effects and people need to decide if the risks are outweigh the benefits. Yeah. Or the other way around. So I think being followed by a physician is essential. And tweaking the dose. You don't just go on it and have one dose or go off of it. You want a physician who knows what they're doing to really monitor you and control it. Okay, so you can have various dosages. You're not going to get just the standard one dose throughout the whole time. Right. Yeah. One of my patients over the holidays increased their dose a little bit because last year she gained eight pounds over the holidays. This year she gained two. So, you know, I I think this is another interesting thing about the Ozempic and these drugs is that some of them also help to decrease impulse control to help people drink less alcohol, stop smoking, shopping, gambling, nail biting. There seems to be a spillover effect of these drugs on decreasing impulsive behavior. Yes, I read that. I thought that was fascinating. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Okay, Mary, let me take a break. I just want to remind our listeners that if you're just joining us, you're tuned into Food Sleuth Radio, and we are speaking today with Ms. Mary Donkersloot. She is a fellow registered dietitian nutritionist. She's based in Beverly Hills, California, as well as Southern Oregon. And her smart eating show is absolutely fabulous. It's on YouTube. I'll provide a link. And the show that made me want to have you on, Mary, had to do with the new weight loss drugs. And you addressed the drugs through a dietary approach. What can we do naturally if maybe we can't access the drugs, but we still want to have the effect of increasing this hormone? You reported that we can increase this hormone naturally by simply eating a high fiber diet. Right. So listen, most people don't want to go on an injectable drug. I think at some point there may be a pill form, but we're not there yet. But most people, even if they do have a significant weight issue, would prefer to manage it with their food. And so the one thing that I've, you know, may be accused of being a broken record about is fiber, because that indigestible carbohydrate has long been known to be the wonder drug for diabetes and overweight. So it also triggers the slow release of that GLP-1 that Ozempic does, and as well as another hormone called that we call PYY, we call that the hunger hormone. And both of them suppress hunger, and they make you feel satisfied by staying in the system for a longer period of time. So, I mean, the difference between 
these drugs, if they stay in your system for three or the, the fiber three or four hours, whereas the drugs stay in your system for three or four days. Right. But this can help you go longer between meals without snacking. And it changes, fiber changes how you release insulin. So for example, if you're eating chocolate with almonds, you have a, a more moderated rise in your glucose if you just eat chocolate. That's great advice. Yeah. Or if you eat a salad, if you eat a salad before your dinner, it decreases the uh, glucose insulin response from the foods that you eat. So they're all, they're all kinds of little tricks. When I work with people who have diabetes, many of them involve fiber to mitigate blood sugar rise. Do you think people have a good understanding of fiber? No. In fact, Fiber is one of my favorite topics as a dietitian because there are hundreds of different kinds of fiber. It's very complex. I'm not sure I have a good understanding, but there's lignans and pectins and guar and cellulose. And, you know, there's so many different kinds of fibers and they all do different things. So not all fibers do what I'm just talking about, but the ones that are most effective at releasing this GLP hormone-like situation are ones from beans. You know, I've been accused of being the bean queen. <laughs> you and me both. Lentils, peas, yeah, go beans. You know, lentils, peas, fiber in whole grains, rye, and barley. Is there's a lot of research is going on with barley. So the next time you make a pot of chicken soup, uh, Melinda, just use barley in instead of noodles. You know, or rice. Right. Barley. So you know, if you have a taco or a burrito, order black beans. Skip the rice, and with your oats have oatmeal instead of a, a donut or a pastry. So I like to have the the uh, sprouted grain breads instead of a white bread or even a whole wheat bread because you get these grains that make give you a better sense of fullness. So even without restricting what you eat, a high fiber diet will lead you to a lower body weight with less body fat. Absolutely. And it will influence the gut bacteria that seems to be so essential for mental health and physical health. Yeah. So even if you lose weight on one of these weight loss drugs, if you want to keep it off, you, you really want to move toward a more plant-based diet. Right. You know, I was thinking about these drugs over the holidays and whether or not these drugs reduce the pleasure of eating. A lot of people say that these drugs reduce the chatter in their heads. That's always telling them to eat more, eat more. And I thought, Gosh, I would hate to lose my appetite. I feel like appetite is part of being well. Yeah. Someone did say to me, because we were talking about holiday meals, and I was mentioning that, you know, I was having a little Christmas Eve dinner at my house with six people, close family. And she was saying, I really envy you being able to eat that way because she eats a certain amount and then she has to, she stops because she's full. So, I do think, and you know, we're not psychologists, we're dietitians, but there is this emotional aspect, this attachment to just wanting to eat and enjoy the pleasure of food. So yeah, I think for some people that does go away because they just truly can't overeat, but different people respond differently and not everybody gets the same rate of weight loss. So yeah, I mean, and again, that's, maybe one of the um, unfortunate things, but they're willing to sacrifice that for the greater good. Exactly. Yeah. Everything is a cost benefit equation that each of us has to figure out. Well, because I receive a lot of information from the food industry, 
I thought it was fascinating to see their perspective. They are actually noticing a dive in sales of snack foods that they are attributing to these new weight loss drugs. Mm, and interesting. Yes. Let's see. Morgan Stanley now projects as many as 24 million people could be on GLP-1 drugs like Ozempic and Wagovi by 2035. And that could mean a 3% dip in snack sales. And then they report, and are you ready for this? This is just the epitome of social injustice. But because these drugs are so expensive, $1,000 a month or so, for those whose insurers, including some state Medicaid programs and Medicare, decline to pick up the tab, that leaves an avenue, and I'm quoting now from the snack food industry, that leaves an avenue for snack manufacturers to appeal to low-income consumers. Shame on them. Shame on them, indeed. And I think it's part of our job to help consumers or to help our fellow human beings understand just how we are targeted by the food industry to eat more and have more occasions for eating rather than eat the healthful way that we've been promoting for decades. Listen, let it be said, one of the reasons for the dismal effect of our efforts over the years to help people eat better is the toxic food environment we live in, the, the never-ending processed foods, the ultra-processed foods that are around us. So, yeah, I mean, for children, you know, who are being fed everywhere, they every time they turn around and they've got cupcakes and they've got snack foods and yeah, it's it's nearly impossible for those who are particularly vulnerable to resist those those foods that are engineered to make us eat more. Yeah. It's a really complex issue. And you and I both hate to see individuals who are struggling with obesity deal with the victimization that goes along with it. A lot of overweight people just will not even see doctors for regular care because they feel like they're shamed even within the healthcare setting. Right. Yeah. And I think we don't want to ridicule people for seeking help with with these weight weight loss drugs. So uh, that's a, the flip side of the issue of, yeah, let's let's help people who want help. Exactly. And if these medications help people maintain control over their eating habits and, you know, quiet that food noise, as you say, well, then that's great. Right. You know, give them a second chance with these medications. I, I think I'm all for it for people who really need it. Yeah. Well, there is a black box warning on these drugs that the FDA requires. And that gets back to the statement that these drugs can cause thyroid tumors in animals. So we don't have the human data, but this is animal research. So that is why the black box warning is on there. So that's just a heads up. But I do think that while we are waiting for either insurers to cover this drug for weight loss, because they the insurers, as I understand it, tend to cover the drug more if it's for diabetes and other health-related issues. But if somebody is struggling with their weight, they really can't afford this. The insurance isn't going to cover it. I think in your Smart Eating Show, you made a, a very easy plan for people to say, okay, let's tweak the diet as much as we can. So I do want to touch on fiber just in the last few remaining minutes that we have, if that's okay with you. Sure. How many grams of fiber do you recommend that people get every day? Well, 30 is kind of the number that comes to mind, but you know, 40, 45 is great, but most people get 10. Right. And so one of the things that I say very simply is 
every time you eat, make sure there's a fruit or a vegetable. So that kind of is an automatic way. And then with grains, I like to suggest three or four servings a day with grains because we don't want to just, we, we you and I promote whole grains, but we don't want to overeat whole grains. They're easy to overeat. So if you want a bowl of oatmeal, you don't need to have two cups of oatmeal. You can have a half to a cup of oatmeal, and then you top it with a quarter cup of nuts, and then you put a three quarters of a cup of berries on it and some flax seeds, and then you put your whatever kind of dairy milk or non-dairy milk you want on it. You've got a beautiful bowl of something. You don't just eat two or three cups of oatmeal. You know what I mean? Exactly. But all of those things contain fiber. The blueberries or the, you know, I always keep frozen berries on my freezer this time of year. You know, all those things contain fiber. So one of my favorite smart eating shows is the Daily Dozen, the 12 foods you should eat every day, because I like to promote foods that you should eat rather than what you shouldn't eat. Because once you've eaten all those foods, there's nothing, not room for the junk. So, and with that, what I just described is that oatmeal with the berries and the, the seeds, and that's, that knocks out about five of the dozen right there at breakfast. So yeah, looking for, you know, making sure we eat plenty of vegetables and we all salads and coming up with different kinds of salads. I like to make a morning smoothie with kefir and spinach and almond butter and a banana, you know, frozen banana and some ground flax seeds. And there, boom, I've got a boost of nutrition. I like to have plant-based meals at night. I, my new discovery is the black bean veggie burgers from Costco. <laughs> and and I, I, I am not a fan of Costco, I have to say, but I had some smoked salmon at someone's house and it was so fabulous. She said she joined Costco just to get the smoked salmon. And I thought, okay, I, I'm going to break down and do this. But then I found these black bean veggie burgers and I've been enjoying them because it's such an easy thing to do after the holidays and you know, I'm tired of cooking and just to have a black bean burger with a side of Brussels sprouts or broccoli or some, you know, getting my cruciferous vegetable. So yeah, I mean, it's easy to eat fiber if you choose plants. Well, Mary, I think the other thing to mention here is as we get older, generally we tend to eat less. And also if we're taking a drug that reduces our appetite, it makes it even more imperative that we make every calorie count. So as you mentioned earlier, right? Yes. Yeah. So we, we, every, every calorie has to count. We don't want to eat foods that don't really help us be nourished. And cause we're thinking about cancer prevention and heart disease, keeping our arteries clear and keeping our blood sugars in check. And so all of these, you want foods to work for you, not against you. Exactly. Mary, We've got to close. Is there one last message you want to leave our listeners with? Oh, Melinda, I am just so happy that to connect with you. And and I just want to say small changes will make a big difference. That's smart eating. Exactly. And that is the show that I think is so fantastic for anyone who wants to tweak their diets. We're in the beginning of a new year. A lot of people are looking for ways to improve their health. And I think that the Smart Eating Show is the way to do it. So in closing, I want to thank our listeners for joining us. Remind everyone that Food Sleuth Radio is produced by Dan Hemelgarn for KOPN in Columbia, Missouri. But most of all, I want to thank my guest, Ms. Mary Donkersloot. She is a fellow registered dietitian nutritionist. She's based in both Beverly Hills, California, as well as Southern Oregon. And she is the hostess of 
The Smart Eating Show, which provides weekly nutrition vignettes in bite-sized pieces, just one or two minutes, and I'll provide a link. You can sign up and get a new piece of information every week. I'm really grateful for you for covering this topic of these new weight loss drugs with such great insight and compassion. So Mary, thank you so much for being with me today. Thank you, Melinda. It was my pleasure. 